I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. another edition of the Lost for Words podcast. I'm joined today by Jason. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. And we've also got Martin, Sundog Monkey on the line. Martin, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having us, gents. Uh, even Jason, is Tom. Yeah, thanks Thanks for coming on, mate. It's uh, you know, a few, few weeks ago you came on now and, uh, and back again. So back off back the... Back of all, yeah. That's it. Fresh off the heels of a, of a winner in Brandon Gross in Puerto Rico. So uh, hopefully it'll be two weeks in a row for us. Uh, fingers crossed, yeah, it's always nice to get one over the line, so um, <laughs> obviously uh, great on device for that, so um, yeah, hopefully we can have another good week. Absolutely, we just, uh, we've just gone, uh, just left the Concession Golf Club, the, the bigger event last week at the WGC, um, it was a bit of a touching moment yesterday with uh, a lot of the players wearing red and black, um, regardless what you think of, of the, the sentiment of it, obviously the... the the almost tragic news, if you like, of of, uh, of Tiger Woods and his his, his crash, Jason, was uh, obviously quite scary. It was just before we came on the, uh, or just after we came off the podcast last week, and I was just before I went on to the other show, and uh, it it was scary, wasn't it, when you first saw it? And there wasn't that much information out. I mean, fortunately, we know he's uh, alive and well, but we don't know anything other than that, really. No, we don't. We don't know enough about it, so we better stay away from it. No, exactly. um, but yeah, at least he's, you know, he's he's. You know, he's obviously the legend of our game. It's, he's probably the main reason why we do what we do, and the main reason why people, you know, those golfers are earning as much as they are at the moment. So, you know, everybody in golf really owes an awful lot to what Tiger's done over the years, and he remains the greatest in my eyes. And and yeah, you know, he's hopefully all right. Um, whether we see him back on the course ever again is uh, is you know in doubt. But you know, he's alive and he, he can he can you know still represent golf in the legendary status that he's got. I'd, I'd hazard a guess, Martin, that he, we probably will see him play, whether we'll ever see him play. You know, the, the, it was an extraordinary comeback at Augusta a couple of years ago now to do what he did after the back surgeries and, and the loss of form, etc. Uh, this would be another step altogether, wouldn't it? The, the one sort of recent injury that I kind of liken to is a different sport altogether is Alex Smith in the NFL. He, he had a really sort of tragic leg injury and... Uh, got a lot of really bad infections, almost had to lose a leg. And and as far as I can tell, kind of that might have been something that might have been having to Tiger. He got rushed in to do another surgery a couple of days later. So like Jason said, we don't really want to speculate, but it's uh, obviously a case of, uh, you know, safety first and, and his life and everything's in, you know, in hand and uh, worry about the golf afterwards. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, Tom. I mean, obviously it was awful to hear you know, hear the news when it happened, and um, I think probably like everyone else, I was, uh, I was just, uh, I can't remember what I was doing at the time, I was sat watching telly or whatever of, a, of an evening, and just flicked onto Twitter, and suddenly there was, uh, uh, there it was starting to come up, and sort of everything else stops, and you sort of, at that point, as you say, it could have turned into, a, you know, a complete tragedy, and um, obviously the most important thing is that uh, he's alive, um, you know, he children haven't lost a father and um uh you know touch wood he can make a, a, a decent a decent recovery and um but like you say playing golf again i think is completely sort of down the line and secondary and um um yeah if, if you can ever play again great but um i'm sure i think everyone would agree at the moment it's just a case of uh 
hopefully in, in trying to trying to get healthy and get get mobile again. And, and of course, as you say, we can't we can't speculate. And um, I suppose the problem is, and this has always been the case with with Tiger and his representation and all representatives. Um, you, you know, you, you don't get very much out of them other than the very basic facts and um, you know, or, or sort of basic statements. And uh, uh, obviously, understandably, in this situation, they want the privacy and time for him to um, you know recoup. But I suppose we don't really know the extent of the injuries and won't do probably for for quite a while. So yeah, just obviously um, thoughts with him and hopefully he can you know get on the mend. Yeah, that's it. I think it's just a case that we just want to wish him well. I don't think, you know, one of the things that's really wound me up over the last sort of week or so is kind of all these articles about whether he will play again, you know, what will he be if he comes out. I, I don't care, you know, just as long as he's alive and well um, and, and, you know, once we can uh, see him back up and, and on the news and, and talking to us and let him know his status, that'd be great. But uh, m- moving on from that and into today's, uh, or this week's event, should I say, and it's a place where Tiger knows very well. It's the uh, Bay Hill Club and Lodge at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, Roy McIlroy comes in at the 8-1 to favourite he is now. Martin, I'll come to you first um, because you have put him up this week. Uh, I have, gents, yes. Um, I've got to be honest, I, I thought long and hard about this and... Um... Uh, I was on him last week, as you may have seen. Um, I put him up at the, um, uh, the WGC event. And, uh, that was really on the back of the two things that he always seems to perform really well on a missed cut, on the back of a missed cut. And um, also the fact that obviously we were heading to Florida where he tends to play a lot of his best golf. So, um, and last week was just incredibly frustrating. I mean, it was two steps forward, two steps back all the time. And, um, you know, he hit some tremendous irons into, uh, you, you know, in and, uh, you know, looked, looked almost like his old self. And then the next hole, he'd be taking a risk and sticking it in a hazard or, or, or whatever, or hitting the lip of the bunker because he was trying to get, get too too far out of it as he's going to work on the par fives and end up taking a seven or something. So, um, But um, I, I just took the view that, uh, I mean, after all of that, you know, he still did get me a little bit of money back last week. He made a bit of a profit on him. He, he still finished T6 on the... Um, you know, on the top seven market, and um, um, so um, you know, there was a lot more right and there was wrong. And um, you just think coming to a course this week that uh, he obviously knows like the back of his hand, trending in the right direction. And so there was an awful lot of good stuff last week, but um, you just can't see him not being there at the, at the death, really. Now, of course, Ben Money's not gone for what, 18 months or something, or just under that, we could, we could easily end up with another sort of third place or something but um, uh, yeah I, I think he's the most likely winner this week and I suppose I called it a saver in my preview that um, I just have to have a couple of points on him and um, um, you, you know I, I think it'd be impossible to see him not being there at the end I think the thing with Rory so when you talk about the course form 11th, 27th, 4th, 1st, 6th, 5th um, you know something you'd expect from one of the very best players in the world uh, especially during that time um, Jason, you know we're we're fairly critical of him, and, and we kind of spoke last week about it. It was getting to the price where you did have to consider him. Um, I just you just look at his actual statistics: hundred and third in strokes gained approach, seventy sixth around the green, a hundredth in putting. It's uh, and that to me is alarming when you consider he's finished sixteenth, thirteenth, sixth. In three of his last four events as well. Yeah, he's he's finished 
higher up than his play deserves. Mm. And yet he's he's there, isn't he? he? He's just constantly there. Um, he did say, I thought, after, was it after the fourth round that he wasn't entirely happy with his game. He's making too many mistakes. Look, for me, of respect to Martin, because he's flying at the moment. Um, I know he's not your number one pick. Um, so full respect, but I don't want to see that many mistakes. I don't, I don't mind somebody getting top fives and top tens. If somebody's beating them, they're playing well and somebody's beating them because, you know, they got the break, they got lot, you know, they hit a few longer putts in, et cetera, et cetera, got break off the bunker or whatever. I, I just think Rory's making his own mistakes rather than being forced to do that. And it's happened for a few weeks now and at, eight to one or nine to one as it was this morning it's a win only and i agree i agree he, he's going to be there and he you know it's, it's no point saying he fits the profile because he's won the damn thing um i'd want more I'd, I'd i need more i need somebody to turn around and go you know look i played i played as well as i could yeah i made a mistake on a couple of holes and got beat rather than keep making mistakes and again it's always price based so i, I couldn't he was 16 last week did he do anything last week that was any different from what he's done for the majority of the weeks for me no and therefore half the price i can leave him alone i think you know obviously field strength comes into that doesn't it and just the fact that he's won here and but like you say he isn't doing enough for me to suggest he's in eight to one winning for me he's never really been that much shorter than that when he was at his pomp is, is one of the things I would say. And you talk about he's making his own mistakes. Well, um, sort of Billy Horschel came out of a quote basically to say that, he, you know, he, he wished he'd put a little bit more pressure on Colin and, and made him win it as opposed to, you know, he would have to have given it away so everyone else have a chance. And, and he was the closest challenger and everyone else did kind of fall away at separate points and apart from Morikawa. And, and that was, you know, quite a thoughtless display, really. Um, so I don't think anyone really... You know, I mean, Victor Hovland bounced back incredibly from the couple of his mistakes he made. Um, <laughs> absolute machine, really. And he's 12 to 1. I, you know, it's tough because I guess it's one of those ones where like, I don't know if Rory McIlroy is actually as good as he was five years ago. I don't know if he'll ever be that good again. I, don't, I just, I think he said it a couple of times recently that he doesn't know if he's actually as good as he used to be. And, you know, we're going into seven years now without a major. I know it's not all about major championships, but it's been two years since he won a golf tournament. So, you know, there's question, there's enough question marks. But like you say, you know, Martin's put him out there. And, and I think Martin's even acknowledged it as a saver as opposed to a, a confident pick. So we shall see. It, You know, the good thing is, is that not a lot needs to change. He needs to basically tidy up those wedges and those 125-yard approaches, whatever. Um, but... You know, that's not the easiest thing to change around. Yeah, I mean, just to pick up on Jason's point about, you know, was there anything different last week? And um, I haven't got the stats from the previous weeks in front of me, but he was second in birdies made last week, made 25 birdies. So, um, as I say, my, my view is that um, he was trying to push it a bit last week, obviously, you know, on a course that um, he's not overly familiar with and just getting a bit too aggressive and, Obviously, it was the sort of course that uh, if you just found the wrong spot on the green, you were sort of rolling down the bank into the water or, or, or whatever. So you, you couldn't really take too many risks on it. And um, that was where some of the stupid mistakes came from, obviously. So I just sort of thought, well, back back where he knows, obviously, knows exactly where to hit it. 
uh, what to do, then um, if he cuts those mistakes out, you know, he's still going to make the birdies and you're pretty much there already, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, as I say, it wasn't the, the greatest course fit for him, I would say. So I think the fact that he finished where he did, playing not his best golf, is is a testament to his talent. And that's why he comes in at these prices. Um, Victor Hovland, Bryson DeChambeau, Cyril Hatton, Patrick Reed, Sungjae Im are the next five, six up in the market, Jason. Which one of those would come close for you this week? Ah, uh, dear. Well, well, I mean, brilliant, isn't it? Um Start with Patrick Reed, who I was on after the first round. We discussed if it was getting harder that I, you know, I tried to be on. Very disappointing over the weekend. We discussed this again before we came on air. Missed heaps of sort of six to eight footers, either for birdie or for par. And I know it's a, it was a strange course, but none of those putts actually hit the hole. Um, and you know, full respect to Pat Reed, because again, when this gets harder, as we're suspecting it will over the weekend. You know, he's the you know, going gets tough. He gets you know, he gets tougher. Um, yeah, um, I, I I wasn't happy about his putting over the weekend. I thought a couple of his approach plays didn't really. He he wasn't getting the irons particularly close. So I'm reluctantly going to leave him out um, there. Sung Im. Well, you you like you you two are massive Sung Im fans. I know Tom, you are. He calls himself, doesn't he? Um, Florida, Florida form, yeah. yeah, Florida form. His form here. Um, I mean, there's there's very little against him. As usual, my my notes. You can hear the paperwork shuffling <laughs> all over the place. Um, you know, he's obviously got the Honda form. Uh, sorry, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think it's approaches, greens in rigs, scrambling, putting up. They're all pretty high up here over the years. He, I think he leads the par five performance as well so far this year and did last year as well which is you know makes you scoring around here it, I, I think Sanjeev calls himself it's up to you whether you want to go as low as 20 to 1 in this field um, Tyrrell Hatton it, I, I think Hatton's brilliant I just I just you know it, he's becoming like the Patrick Reed of, of um, European golf um, didn't really do a lot last week um, and I thought Sunday was incredibly eye-catching um, had easily his best stats on Saturday. Um, Greens in reg was 83%. Strokes game putt, and he found another shot um, in round four. And I thought he left that absolutely on a high. Um, you know, we know he's got the the putting average, and we know he's got the um, the approach play to to compete with anybody. I think he, he ranks top ten in most of that these days. Um, he doesn't mind going winning the same tournament twice he's done it at the links um i think he's absolutely fantastic i think personally 16 to 1 is more preferable to rory's eight to be honest with you um comes off sunday i think he's going to fly bryson i'm not interested in the slightest and victor hovland what's he going to be like when he's a complete player he's going to be unbelievable he's yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I think everybody is just waiting for him to absolutely explode. Like you say, round two, he had the quad on the ninth, um, and then he, he he follows it up with uh, five straight birdies on the back nine. How on earth he was second? I've just got absolutely no idea. I mean, he, he hit one of those chips, didn't he? Hit from a chip from one side of the green, and and it went flying past, and he, he held the 12 foot, 15 foot putt for par. Hovland is brilliant. It's it's but we're we're talking about price, 
12 to 1 is the market's got him it's up to you whether you want to back him but expect him to be prices of Rory next year because he's outstanding so here's a question for you then Jason um it's the obvious question who, who wins more PGA Tour events in their career Hovland or Morikawa Morikawa was two ahead at the moment obviously so um how do you think um, that? if Morik if if Morikawa putts like he did over the weekend <laughs> I mean it's going to be brilliant can you imagine them two it's just going to be firing at, at pins all the time. it's just Morikawa was brilliant and we forgot about him and he went off a stupid price just like Brooks Kepka forgot about him he went off a stupid price a few weeks ago and maybe we'll have to wait for Hovland to go a stupid price again because he's not going to be 45 to 1 for a while is he no no I think but you, didn't, you didn't answer the question though so you're taking Morikawa are you over Hovland no I, 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 I Morikawa Morikawa I, I, who know do you know what I can't play you can have you can have 11 to 10 on each or two the frightening thing about Morikawa is that he's actually already eclipsed, I said this earlier, he's already eclipsed most, you know, these sort of talents that we talk about. We talk about Xander Shoffleys, we talk about Ricky Fowlers, we talk about, you know, uh, you know Tony Finau to a certain extent. The, these quality players, he's already beat, he's, he's trumped all of them already. You know, major yeah, yeah. WGC, four wins. Uh, he's only, only him and Tiger to win a WGC in a major before he's 25. The only slight concern for me is that that putting is a huge weakness, and if if this the putting you put in last week is a a honeymoon period with that new grip, and it and it dies off as quickly as it comes around, then he could be in trouble again. But um, he seems to have the metal to kind of turn it on when he needs to. So yeah, tough old tough choice there. I think every week we seem to change your mind about who's the uh, who's going to be the best and. Uh, I can't speculate anymore, but it, it, it's like Jason said, if he puts like that, and he, and the thing as well, it's not like he he led the field in putting; he was like 18th or 20th. Yeah. You know, that's all he has to do. He only has to be the 20th, 30th best putter in the field, and he's going to win. And that's yeah. the that's the frightening thing. That's whereas Vitz Hovland's kind of got to piece everything together. I think he's kind of solid all around, um, and he has that kind of glaring weakness. Of, of the around the green, which is kind of getting better as it goes along, but to me, it's basically if Morikawa putts, he kind of is definitely going to be in contention. So that is uh, the frightening thing for me. Sung Jm was the closest to me out of this lot, just on price. Um, Tyrrell Hatton, I was interested because I, I backed him at fifty-five to one here last year. I thought it was a massive price, um, and it was a massive price, and it looks even better a year later. Um, Sixteen's one seems pretty fair really when you consider what he's done since that point um you know he's he just he's was he won twice since then he's won the, the wentworth and the abu dhabi um you know he's he's nearly won the cj cup yeah. you know it, it's it's ridiculous isn't it what he's actually done in that in that you know in that time frame but i, I was kind of because i had so many others outside of it i was kind of happy enough to leave the top group alone yeah, if I had to take any of those um, ones from, you know, just below Rory down to Sunjay, uh, it would be Hatton, I think. Um, I was on Sunjay last week and uh, he disappointed. Uh, started off quite well and then he just sort of, um, you know, stalled a bit and f- fell away. So even with a weaker field, I'm, I'm not necessarily inclined to back him at half the price this week. Um, uh, obviously, he's been a third here twice, but um, yeah, if he, if he wins, I won't be losing sleep over it um, but Hatton would have been the one I'd have gone for if, if that 
in, in that uh, frame if I had to get involved, yeah. So, because he's, you know, he's obviously a serial winner now. I had the same thought about Fitzpatrick this week in the sense that I, you know, just assumed he'd play well this week. Didn't know, I hoped he'd play well last week, that's why I put him up. I thought the short game would shine through. It did to a certain extent, but he stalled at the weekend quite dramatically. Um, he's coming here at 22s and 25s, which I think is fair enough. When he opened at 33s, it's a bit more tempting. I don't actually understand why he's shorter than Francesco Molinari in the market. Mm. And that yeah. and that's what I just, and that was the deciding factor for me because when you look at you look at the difference between the two, well, Molinari has won here and Fitzpatrick hasn't. He directly you know, directly beat him on that Sunday shooting a sixty four. Okay, I know Fitzpatrick had the lead and Frankie had to come and, you know, turn him over, but outside of that he's got the fifth, seventh, ninth and the first. Fitzpatrick's obviously got the second and the ninth. But more importantly, you know, everyone talks about Fitzpatrick's current form, but Molinari's got three, you know, three top tens in the last four starts. Um, Jason, I, you know, we, we spoke about him sort of coming back and his price falling dramatically as, as the weeks went on. Um, played well at Riviera, where he doesn't tend to play well, which I thought was one of the most eye-catching things. You know, 10th for Tory Pines, which people talk about with this. There's definitely got to be some sort of interest there. Yeah, I think it's going to be about again. It's going to be about him on the on the greens again, isn't it? He had yeah. his best putting week ever, didn't he, when he won this a uh, couple of weeks ago? A uh, couple of weeks ago, a couple of years ago. Um, I, I don't think. I mean, again, looking at the stats on tour tips or wherever, um, I don't think his irons are particularly dialed in as they used to be. No. Uh, but maybe still, maybe still settling down. You know, he hasn't he hasn't lived over there and, and sort of played competitive golf over there from that American base for that long but there's definitely improvement there isn't there um, he, he clearly loves the course I, I do wonder what I do wonder whether that's just a outlier but I, I I do agree that I'd rather have him than Fitzpatrick who I think keeps getting chances I mean I say that he, he won you know but half a dozen tournaments ago didn't he yeah yeah um, still yet to do it at this level though isn't it that's that's the stumbling block, isn't it? Is that for me, Molinari is a major winner. He's a winner of regular PGA Tour events, and Fitzpatrick's not one in America. You know, it's just to me, I just don't. If they were the same price, I wouldn't even be having a debate. But when Molinari's bigger and he's got the win directly over him, to me, it just stood out. And you talk about whether it's an outlier. When one of the things I like, uh, Dick Wilson, that designed his course originally, he also designed Doral. Uh, which was used for the Cadillac, and Molinari was third there in 2011, so it's more Florida form, more course designer form. Uh, like you say, his approaches aren't at his best, but that kind of suggests that there's still more improvement to come. Mm-hmm. And and for me, I actually thought he was fair enough at 31. And Martin, did you pick him up as well? Uh, I have, uh, so I think we're, are we all on him, you on him as well, Jason? Yeah. Mm, uh, uh, no, I'm not. No, uh, right. I'm afraid, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I did put him up, and um, I actually said in my piece that, um, and, and obviously he's been well backed, and not, not down to me, I think I'm sure someone else has put him up, because um, uh, I, I don't influence the market, I think, but um, uh, when I put my piece out, he, he was still, I think there was still some 33s kicking around a little bit for the shorter each way places, and, and he just stuck out to me like a sore thumb. I mean, not only, obviously, against Matt Fitzpatrick, of course, could win this week, and, you know, he's a great talent, and no one's surprised to see him win, but as you say, there was the obvious comparisons you've just given that you're thinking, why is Molinari bigger? But at the time, when I put my piece out, he was the, he was the same price as um, Louis, um, or... 
you know, Jason Day, um, or yeah, well, and certainly Matsuyama. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what is in Matsuyama's form, who is still shorter now at um, at Bay Hill, uh, his current form that makes him a better bet this week than Molinari. And, and I could only assume that the lads just sort of think that Molinari's purple patch was just that, a purple patch a couple of years ago, and now he's just sort of a, stringing a couple of results together or whatever, and, he, and he's not in that bracket that he obviously was in. But, um, yeah, because it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why Ustay will be the same price as him as he was earlier. Um, Hideki will be shorter when he's got the current form, the course form. He's, you know, he's got another win in America. He's a major winner, and, yeah, it, it all points to him, really. I think, for me... I basically said that Francesco, because everyone sort of said that the Masters ruined him, and I sort of said I think there was a bit more to it than that, and he's kind of proven that he's turned his life almost upside down, moving across to, you know to America to rededicate himself to this side of the, of the tour, I guess. And uh, but for me, he's just not going to get back to that form that he was in 2018 because it just wasn't sustainable. Like the way he was content, you know, won the Open, could have won the Masters in you know 2019. Um, I had won Bay Hill 2019, had won the Quicken Loan. You know, there was a lot going on in a short period of time that suggests that, yes, the very best can have that stretch, but there's so many good golfers around, like we're seeing now, that for someone that has that um, obvious sort of drawback and, you know, not being the longest off the tee, not being the best putter, it's very, very hard to, to keep that up. And I just think that now, if you just take him as to what he is, um, that he is a very talented golfer. You go back to what I think it was it 2014 or 13 when he had that fifth place finish here. You know that that's what he is, and and if he can get a win because of the form he's in, then so be it. And that's why I still think there's enough juice in it, even at 30 to one, uh, for me to go with it. So uh, Martin and, and I will go off at Molinari. You just spoke about Ustays and he comes in at 35 to one. Billy Horschel, uh, Jason, you were into last week, weren't you? And uh, he performed very very well. Um, anything you saw that week that sort of suggests that you want to go in again? Uh, honestly, I can't stand Billy Orshaw, but like, <laughs> like I keep saying, but but you know he he, he fitted he fit the bill last week. We fitted the bill last week. Um, oh, that pre-shot routine is just horrendous to watch, isn't it? Um, but there we are. Um, enough of my, <laughs> my sulking, uh, my foibles. Um, yeah. Uh, he's a runner, isn't he? He's definitely a runner, but but now he's he's at a price that I wouldn't want to be on. So that really sums him up, I suppose, to be honest with you. I think for me, and I don't know if you, you sort of felt the same, Martin, he's not really done enough here for me to really worry about him at this sort of price. Yeah, I'm a fan of his. Um, um, oh, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of his as, as a golfer, and I like you know I like golfers where they're hearts on their sleeve. You know I like the Tyrrell Hattons and what have you. I think you need characters out there, and uh, um, and um, yeah, you know, I'm a fan of him, and, and I think I may well be looking at it again in, in, in the near future. But um, uh, he has been frustrating over the last you know couple of years, certainly when he's had a few chances, and, and it's almost because before he won and in his very early days. He had this sort of, you know, real heart and sleeve, getting frustrated type mentality. And then he sort of got his first win. And then, of course, there was the um, FedEx Cup uh, purple patch. And he sort of thought, okay, so we've got this winning mark licked, as it were. And um, since then, I know he has won since then, but he sort of almost 
gone back to the sort of you know the more frustrated character if you like um not saying he never lost that that completely and uh, yeah he, he, he just um think it's sort of too much energy there on the course as it were and too much angst if you like so um so he's not for me this week uh but um i, I think he'll be cropping up on my radar again in the, in the near future perhaps at an event that maybe is a bit more, more suitable yeah. for him yeah he played he play, i mean he play, you know there was some of his play was absolutely outstanding over the weekend off the tee was superb yeah yeah he was he was and some of the par fives his approaches to the par fives which is yeah which is you wouldn't have you know if i'd have said who's going to who's going to play like that as approach to the par fives, you know, he, he wouldn't have been particularly up there. Um, so yeah, I mean, if he's found something, um, it'd be interesting. It's a, it's a different test, isn't it? You know, um, you know, when it gets stuck, it's getting windy and stuff, well, we'll see what happens, but it, I, I just think he's, his price has gone now, isn't it? And, uh, he can let him run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Martin, your next pick is Sam Burns, who Jason, I know you were keen on before the, the price came in, but Martin, just give us the rundown and why you like Sam Burns. <laughs> Um, I just think he's got the perfect game for this course. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's got the current form, um, and um, there's been obviously a little concern about if, if you like his play on Sunday, the way have you, but you know, he's, he's too young to make any real judgment on that, and he's learning all the time. And um, he, he was he was pretty solid. Well, I mean, I know it was win, but he was pretty solid until the last few holes last, last time out. And, uh, you know, he led from the beginning until it just didn't quite work out for him down the stretch, but I think it was more Homer and Finnell playing great stuff really. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I just think, I mean, this course as a whole, what I'm always looking for here is um, aggressive play. I don't know, this sort of sits opposite against Molinari, the outlier, if you like, on this course, but as a whole, it's, uh, it's aggressive players. It's obviously your Roar, it's your Tigers, historically. Um, you know, someone like Martin Laird's one here was a big hitter back in the day. So it's aggressive players, good par five scoring, good approach play, uh, big, bigger hitters. Obviously, Bryson's got a great record here, and, and Burns just fits that bracket perfectly. Uh, and um, yeah, he, he's just trending in the right direction, and I think his time's going to come very soon. I thought it was really impressive through, I, don't know, I can't remember how many holes, it, but basically the whole of the front nine, and, and maybe his yeah. first few holes of the second nine at Riviera. He just seemed completely unfazed, and then when it did, when it did, as soon as it got tough, which it always will do on that golf course, he did unravel, and that was a shame because, and although it took sort of Homer and Finau to play the way they did to to kind of overcome it, I don't know. I think that was a real learning curve for him, yeah. In the sense that he's been in contention before, but never quite as seriously as that, and that was his to lose that day. Um, mm. And he took it by the, the scruff of the neck, and and was generally impressive. So if he comes straight back out, I think now you kind of you're a Sam Burns believer in the long run. Now's the time to strike because he's either going to yeah. do it in the next two, three, four events, or he's not going to do it for a, another couple of years again. Would be my outlook on it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, you get, I mean, I suppose someone you can draw a comparison with someone like Jason Kokrak, who obviously did win last year in the end but initially it was like you know he'd come on the tour after wins on the web.com as it was and you know he sort of thought he'd get the win straight away and and then he, he just sort of stalled basically and couldn't get over the line so he eventually did so you can see what you're saying and, and i just think burns will, will get there soon i mean he won he was only on the corner ferry for one year and won in that year so i think uh, um I think he's a bit of a special talent. I mean, was he third as an amateur at um, one of the opposite field events or something yeah. like that? So, so he's, he's going places, and um, 
you know, even go back to Riviera the other Sunday, I mean, he obviously had that, he had to play that tough finish in the, in the cold on the Sunday morning for the last four holes or so, or four or five holes, and he dropped a couple of shots there, so it would have been easy for him to come back out later in the day and just implode completely, but he, um, he didn't, you know, he, he came out and, as you say, was four under for the front nine before uh, it all went a bit awry on the back, but I think he'll learn from that. Um, I see another big week, and obviously he's an each-way price any, anyway at that sort of odds. So, yeah, and I think the thing with him is that he's got the prototypical games to, to um, you know, last. He's not an old-school golfer. He's got the perfect. He's got the long ball off the tee. He's, you know, hits all his par fives. You know, he does everything that a modern-day golfer needs to do. And Jason, I'm assuming that you generally like a lot about him. It's just the fact that he's coming a bit shorter in the market again. Yeah, that's all it was really. Yeah, you, you really can't argue with him. You know, top fours in the putting averages. Two of his last, two of his last three events, his greens in reg, his top twenty continually, which counts here. Approaches are fine. Um, everything about him, you know, suggests that he's learning very quickly. I think he did he lead at the Safeway for two rounds, and he yeah. led at um, where else did he lead? He's led a couple of times, isn't he? Was it at uh, Houston? He might have led. Yeah, but it's well, it's, he was in another final group. He's been in another couple of final yeah. groups before. So, um, yeah, you know. The, so yeah, he's, 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 you know, he's going to continue and continue to learn. You know, he's obviously got top tens um, in Honda. He's got it at Houston, right at Utah, Columbia. I mean, um, you know, he's top twenty in basically everything that we need to to count, and he's done it in um, top grade, hasn't he? You know, at Riviera, you know, the uh, Farmers, which which doesn't have a direct, but I mean, you only have to look at Jason Day and and you know Mark Leishman um, to tie that into to form around here. Yeah, I mean, I, 60 to 1. Do you know, if they'd have gone 60 to 1 and top 8 first thing this morning, I'd have been on. And it was just my personal greed, um, hoping for something better. That means I'm not. So I, I can't knock anybody who, who, who picks him, to be honest with you. And if you're on at 50 50 and bigger, then yeah, fair play. Good bet. I think this is a, a very open bit now. You've got, you've got Fleetwood 40 to 1, Zalatoris 45 to 1. Co-cracker was actually quite interesting just for his general. Yeah. Florida form. I thought he was really impressive um, last week at the WGC. It was his second top 10 in WGCs in his career. You just mentioned him. Uh, Martin, when talking about someone that you know only got over the line last year, he's generally been very solid. I thought he was slightly disappointed after that first win, but he seems to have steadied the ship again. Was good at Riviera for the most part. Was good at Torrey Pines. Um, when you look at where he's performed well, second at the Valspar, where he should have won, really. Fourth here in 2014. Um sixth in 2015 here as well so generally speaking Valspar seventh he, he likes his part of the world likes his style of golf course so he would be one that I was tempted by um Leishman it's all there in front of you but I will just this is where I can go off my little bit of a tangent uh Dick Wilson was the original designer of this golf course before Arnold Palmer bought it and tinkered with it and the guy that came in and I can't remember his name now did all the consulting is basically trying to get the course back to you know, his original state, which would be what Dick Wilson uh, had it out as. He uh, designed Cog Hill, which was used for the BMW Championship in 2007, 2009, 2010, 2011. Uh, Leishman came second in 2009. Rose won it in 2011. Woods has won it twice. Rose has come fifth there. Nar came eighth there. Um, so Cog Hill, if, if you want to go back and see some of those older guys, they'll be in there. Also designed Doral, which I mentioned earlier, with Molinari coming third. You know, um, Nars played there again. Rory's played well there. Rose has played well there. Again, these are guys that you expect to play well just because they're that good and they're in that field. And then the other 
couple of courses that caught my eye and it and these are slightly stranger and might lead to something is the houston open which is you know from i think it was 2009 to 2019 uh or it might be even longer now i think 2003 you know it was the, uh, the golf club of houston um you've had some really strange results there that have sort of aligned with this keith mitchell uh, who's had two top six here was sixth yep. there. Stenson has had two uh, runner up there, two runners up there, sorry, and he plays well at Bay Hill. Sung Kang has played; he's come second at Houston, plays well here. Luke List plays really well here, plays well there. Justin Rose, exactly the same thing. Ricky Fowler. So all these guys play really well, in, and t- Taylor Gooch as well, so as nineteen was fourth. So all these guys play really well in Houston also play well here which kind of makes sense because of some of the longer par fours the tough par five scoring and the other one which really i don't know particularly why it's come up there was some mention of the hawaii double swing in terms of correlating form here and and core and crenshaw designed trinity forest which has been used for the byron nelson 2018-2019 uh leishman was second in 2018 nava sixth both of them play well here matt every was second in 2019 to Sung Kang, who plays well here. So those guys, and every had the eight for Houston as well. Anywhere that Matt Every plays well is a bit of an outlier. So if if there's links to it, those three courses, Golf Club of Houston, Trinity Forest, you know, for me, that's just that's where my line of thinking will go for as we go on for these selections at the bigger prices. So. Just wanted to chuck that two piece in there because I've spent all day trying to corroborate it and make sure it makes sense. So hopefully somewhere in there, someone's got something out of that. Um, but that was basically my long way of saying that you can sort of see why Leishman plays well here. You can see why Kevin Nahr plays well here. You can see why Justin Rose plays well here, apart from them just being good golfers. Um, that's where they've had all that form. Jason, now I've just lost my breath completely. That was ex- that's excellent, Tom. <laughs> no, seriously, that's 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 excellent. You told me that earlier on today, and you know every player that counts. And it, it, it's look, we know the roar is going to turn up. We know you know Bryson Hatton. We know they're going to turn up. That's just a matter of whether the price suits or not. But when you look at the people like um, Keith Mitchell turns up here, you know every year, and he's got the Honda and he's got the Houston form. You know, Kang, I mean, you know, no one's looking, but it makes perfect sense now. You know, Chris Kirk has the same thing, Hawaii and Houston. Yeah. Um, so, you know, fair play. If you can spot that, you, you've gone more convoluted than, than I normally am. So, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought well you might be proud to be there. And, I'm uh, very proud. Just to go back, just a couple of years as well, was uh, Ian Poulter. We mentioned this earlier, Martin, oh, before you came on. <laughs> beat, uh, Don't remind me, please. <laughs> beat Bo Hoster in a playoff, and both of them have played well at Bay Hill as well. So there's plenty in it. Mariano Grillo, another one was third that year, plays well here. So generally yeah. speaking, if you can find someone at Houston that plays that golf course well or has played well up until 2019 because obviously it changed last year then there may be something in it and if there's those two years at trinity forest stand out for the byron nelson then uh, then go to that jason back to your point um max homer is someone that you uh you liked at 55 to 1 yeah can i just just go back a little bit tom just for one minute come is um Jason Day, another one of my nemeses, uh, <laughs> rather like Mr. Horshaw, played a lot better over the weekend um, than his actual score. But just as a hint, Skybet have actually got the Players' Championship up at the moment. Um, if Day is 
more than back, and and it's very possible that he is. He's forty five to one for the players. Um, yeah. He's obviously got a cracking record around here as well. Um, I suspect him uh, to do reasonably well, probably top fifteen. I think here this week is what I've got him marked down as. But he's forty five to one for the players, which he absolutely loves next week. So that market, I know it's sky better. Not everybody can get on, but it's well worth looking at because. Um, you know the continuation of form and 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 you know sawgrass lovers. There's some there's some big prices there. But anyway, Max Homer. Um, yeah, I, I I the reason I'm not going to back uh, Sam Burns at 40 or one is because he's 15 points shorter than Max Homer. Um, had they been the same price, it would have been very very close. But yeah, Homer for me. Um, obviously, you know, one at Riviera. Um, yeah, you know, show, showed fantastic everything really back there. Um, it's all in front of you, the stats, but crucially, his putting has been absolutely exceptional. I think he's second in the putting averages at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, he led them when he won. He led them at Mycoba. You know, he's top five, top six at uh, uh, Pebble Beach. Um, everywhere they're they're you know they're starting to improve dramatically. Um, obviously, Riviera demands tee to green accuracy. Off the tee doesn't matter so much here, but his iron play is gonna, you know, Max Homer. I've got like Laurie Cantor of America, really. Um, I, I really like his game. He was 24th here last year on debut, but he was 16th after the third round. Um, I thought he was, you know, I, I had this thing about Homer before he won, where he improves every round, and he buggered me up by sort of being top five at the end of the first round. <laughs> um, but again, last year he went 45th, 61st, 16th before obviously got blown away on, on a ridiculous, ridiculous Sunday. Um, like Burns, he's an improver. Um, he's now one, so he's got, you know, on the main tour, so that's got the monkey off his back. Um, I like the way he followed his, his win, to be honest with you. Um, last week on a very strange course, Greens in reg was 12th, scrambling was 8th. That works perfectly here, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, he, he at 55 to 1, I thought, um, was a bit too big. So I am on Max Homer to, to have his second win of the year. The thing I like about Homer as well is that he's one on those classical golf courses, isn't he? Mm. He's Riviera and Quail Hollow. And and it's funny you mentioned Laurie Cantor. I've never really considered the, the, the sort of comparison, but and maybe this is just me, And it, he's recently put a fair bit of distance to his game, Max Homer. And I don't think people really figured out how far Laurie Cantor hit it until recently. And and I think it's just something like that. I think when when you actually look and think, okay, Max Homer can actually send it quite a long way off the tee and without anyone even picking up on it, um, it's just something that I think that goes under the radar about someone like him. And and we've seen in the past that he can kind of keep these streaky uh, results going. Uh, Martin, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on Max Homer. Um, I do actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to argue with the, the pick, Jason. I mean, obviously he's in, in great form. Um, and um, yeah, well, I'm not going to argue with people. I am going to argue with people. So, uh, um, I suppose this is where you sort of have to. To me, this is where I sort of go past stats and stuff and just trust me, gut of your eye, call me judgment or, or, or what have you. And I suppose the two things that would put me off him a little bit like what put me off Patrick Reed last week because you know if Patrick Reed hadn't won in his previous start, um, I probably would have backed Patrick Reed last week mm. um, because the course. You, you know what we were hearing about it but sort of a bit of an augusta feel and what have you uh sort of um, the console greens seem very much up his alley uh, but um i just thought is he gonna go 
back-to-back in consecutive starts because unless you're Tiger, DJ, Rory, what have you, it's, it's fairly rare. And, and I suppose the thing about Homer is I'm thinking, okay, we won two starts ago. It was a, obviously a massive win for him in basically his, his home game, if you like, his fifth major or his first major, the way he was talking about it. Um, I think this will be his seventh week on the spin. Um, so obviously he wasn't going to skip the WGC because it's guaranteed money and ranking points and what have you. Um, obviously we playing next week, so the eight weeks on the spin. But um, I, I just sort of think, well, is he going to be, for one of a phrase, o- over the top slightly at the moment? And um, yeah, that, that's what would put me off him. But uh, obviously all the stats and the form and everything are, are there, as you say, and you can't argue with the price really. So I think, I think, sorry, Tom, I think. Um... Uh, when you look at the price and you sit him next to Harris English, who, who, on the face of it, um, has outstanding claims based on course form, Honda form, um, winning at Hawaii, you know, um, form at the Sony, he's scrambling generally, he's top 10 strokes game, putting top 25, putting averages top 30. Um, yeah, everything about him is, I think, he's 18th in par 5 performance. But... The difference is they've both won. Obviously, Harris English, you know, won the tournament champions after knocking his head against the wall for six months. He's looks like he's gone completely. I don't know what's gone wrong with him, but he seems to have won and gone. Whereas Homer um, looks to me at the moment to be continuing that form. Now, I agree it's a big ask to beat quality opposition um, twice in the same month. But again, it's, it's a price thing. So there was Burns, English and and um, Homer of, of that in that group for me, and once Burns' price had gone, you know he he you got English's old form if you like, and Homer's current form, and I'd much rather be on Homer, but you know who knows? Pay your money, take your choice. Yep, I like all that. Uh, Kevin Nar was someone that Jason you messaged me asking if I'd be on him just because I generally am quite a lot. Um, <laughs> second fourth and sixth in, in the past my concern with him at the moment was his recent form here since they've started tinkering it back to the sort of original layout is miscut 36 miscut 36 which is perfect symmetry um but when you do look at the old if all that massive convoluted thing i've just gone down he's got all the forms at Coghill, at doral in houston at trinity forest so there's everything about him to suggest that he can go well i uh I don't ever want to see him hitting a shot out of a bunker again, so I'm going to decide not to watch him if he gets in contention. But, yeah, I, I think at the moment now he's kind of priced as he should be. Like, he's he's the price he is now, and I kind of went back to it, you know, it just to me, he was this price in the Saudi Arabia field, and he's not actually improved that much since then, has he? And uh, he's playing stiffer opposition. So I'll uh, I'll go past him. Ricky Fowler, we spoke about last week, Jason, about how it was a shame that he wasn't playing at concession because it looked like he was starting to find a little bit about his game um, and it looked like a good golf course or even Martin, I know you're on him this week. Uh, uh, you're taking the plunge. I have taken the plunge. Just on Kevin Nahr, um, there's a bit of a sea of blue on him, so someone's obviously liking your line, line of <laughs> thinking. I don't know if someone else put him up or you put him up on your secret paid tipping line that we don't know about. That would be dangerous. He's often back to, well, obviously, you can see why he wins, but um, uh, I often see a sea of blue by his name on Monday. Someone's obviously got stuck into today. But, um, but yeah, Ricky, uh, this is 
I suppose, the riskiest pick of my picks this week. Um, and he's not got a sea of blue behind. So uh, I, I just thought that the combination, again, this is trusting me, Gus, if you like, but the combination of the fact that he seemed to find a little something at Riviera. Uh, he's obviously been working really, really hard on his, in his game and the changes made with um, John Tillery. Um, he, he finished well at Riviera. Uh, of course, the incentive is there. He, he's on the outside looking in on pretty much everything big this year at the moment and um, won't be anywhere near Steve Stricker's long list at the moment. So, um, yeah, he, he needs to pull his finger out, to put it bluntly. And there was just signs at Riviera that he was doing that. Uh, and obviously, he's got the form at Bay Hill. So, um, yeah, um, I just thought he was, he, he was worth a risk, really. I mean, his approach play on paper is still pretty woeful. The, put, the putter heated up at um, Riviera, which has always obviously been his strength, but hasn't been his strength for a while now. But um, uh, I think off the top of my head, he was fifth of the week in putting or something at Riviera. So um, that was uh, obviously really positive. Uh, so there's two ways you can look at that. You can say, well, the rest of his game was still poor and the putter got him out of trouble. Or you could say he's his strength is, has come back and he should gain some confidence from that. And because um, I think I noticed in the preview, he finished victory really strongly in his last nine holes, you know, stiffed a few approach shots to sort of, you know, four, five, six feet to make sort of three birdies in his last six holes or something. So, I mean, small acorns, but um, um, yeah, just a hunch really. And I thought the price was worth, worth, worth a risk. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, Jason's just spoken about the players' championship market for next week is yeah, he's 80s one for that, isn't he? Um, yes, he's got the win in the second there, but that's going to be a completely different field compared to this. So it's almost like you could almost back him in both events. And if he does show up this week but doesn't win or doesn't, you know, get into places, he might just take it to his form over to Sawgrass. So it's an interesting way to look at it there. My concern with it, like you say, is that he when he when his T's green game was was back to order or back to something close to it uh his putting let him down and then when his putter came back the other bit let him down so I, I just think there's still a little bit missing for him he doesn't look like he's going to have this kind of speed molinari resurgence that those two obviously had what what i will say and what you've obviously alluded to is he's he is on the outside of not only the Ryder cup but he's got the masters he's just yeah, yeah. he's just missed a wgc which he's not used to i mean once he got into that top 50 he never left it did he and that was that was always the thing about Fowler. He was he was always consistent. He was always challenging for majors. Never won anything. Um, now he's not even challenging for it, and that's the scary part. We just spoke about Morikawa. has already eclipsed his career. You know, okay, Fowler's one of players and he's contended at majors. Morikawa's won one and he's won a WGC. So it's he might have one less win. I don't know. It's it's how much you believe in Ricky Fowler. If, because we saw it with Sergio Garcia, that that Ryder Cup thing does give a, a huge boost to certain people. Like they desperately want to get in, but I I don't know, Jason, what he'd have to do to get into this Ryder Cup team. Like a win probably wouldn't even be enough. The way you know the way that team is lining up. I mean, the captain's got what was it six picks? But six picks, yeah. You know who who would he actually have to leave out? I mean, you know, we're talking about the speed resurgence recently. That's not going to be enough for him to get in. How is it? No, what would he have to do? He'd have to probably win a major to get in, I would have thought. Yeah, no, he's, he can't. He can't get in. He can't get in this time. If he picked up a couple of wins and then, um, oh yeah, picked up a couple of wins and was in good form but didn't quite do enough to to qualify, I, I think then surely he'd be, um, be very much on the wild card radar, don't you think? I, it's, I think it's tough. 
you not think if you actually are, you know, he's a sort of bloke, if you actually asked him, he'd be honest and turn around and go, you I'm know, not good enough. I'm doing it for the team. And, and it's, yeah, at the moment, it's not happening. But like you say, we, we've all seen little bits in last week, but, you know, does one summer and all that swallow and whatever you want it, to. It's difficult, isn't it? It, it? it was never near, but it was eye-catching. Um, you, you, you want to see it again, don't you? But then if you see it again, it's too good and he comes eighth, then you're missing out on prices after that. Uh, it, it's it's a good field with a lot of people in some very, very good form. And just one... I, I do agree, because we wanted to be on last week, didn't we, Tom? Yeah. Um, oh, it's, so, it's so difficult. It's I'd love to see him contend. I, I personally I just think that you know you, if you're going to back him this week, you should back him for next week as well at the same time yeah. because yeah. He, he if he makes that kind of steady, he's gone 20 for Riviera. If he finishes 10th here, he's going to be 40 to one or 50 to one for mm. the players because of his course form there. So you might as well just get in and, and hope that he improves on that. Would be my uh, sort of line of thinking there. Coming to my pick. And this pick came from just going through the tour tips and looking at the, the, the strokes gain approach that I kind of um, sort of always look at. Lanto Griffin is 15th in this field over the last eight weeks uh, in his approaches. Uh, his current form is very, very good as well. Uh, 22nd last week at the WGC, which was impressive enough. I don't think he uh, really had a... But he didn't have a bad day. He had four rounds of 72 or better, which was you know, a decent, you know, attempt around there, really. He wasn't ever low enough to get himself in contention. It's 26th for Riviera, 7th at the Farmers, 13th at the Tournament of Champions, 11th at the Zozo, 7th at the CJ Cup. He's been in outstanding form, really. Going back to my really convoluted thing is he won the Houston Open in 2019, which is the last time he was at the golf course. Um, so, for me, that was enough. You know that tie in there, plus the strokes gain approach, plus the fact he plays so well at Tory. That I think a lot of people sort of they don't comp it in terms of similar courses, Jason, but they kind of see it as two big tests at the same sort of time of the year that you can kind of get an idea of who's going to contend. I know you're a big Lanto Griffin fan yourself. Um, it just it just strikes me that he might just be, you know, taking his game to a new level. We are sort of joked about the fact that he would made friends with. Uh, VJ Singh and that might have helped his game because he was in the gym with him every day and if he, that's some, certainly a decent mentor to have. He was tied 36th here on debut last year. Um, it was a tough conditions, wasn't it, over the weekend? He shot 76-75. But I think I think there's enough about Lanzo Griffin that I think he's a decent prize at 90s one. Um, I like I like him a lot and you know our, our favourite fact of course is that he used to caddy for Will Wilcox. He did, you know, which is our, you know, which is our favourite fact. Having having interviewed the mighty Will, um, I, I, I'm not knocking you. I, I'd like to see him do it in top class company. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, I, I like I like him. You make a you make a case for him. Um, no, but my, my the seventh at Tory Pines, two you know three starts ago, and he's he's one shot outside yes. the top two, tied with John Rahm. Yeah, I, I like Lanto Griffin. I, I just for win purposes, I couldn't see it, 
but like you say, there's a top eight there, and well, that, and that's the thing. I would, I would, if it, I expected him to be sort of 60s, 50s, and I wouldn't want to do it because there's not that much each way sort of equity in it. When he starts, I mean, I'm hoping you can kind of get a decent price on him, a bet fair, just to take a chance on him. Um, but yeah, I thought there was plenty of light. I don't know about you, Martin. Have yeah. you had any thoughts on Christian? Um, yeah, well, I, I agree with um, what Jason was just saying there. That, Did I say um, he's, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's not, well, and you were saying as well, he's, he's, I wouldn't see him as a winner here, uh, but he's an each way price, isn't he? And um, obviously, um, you know, for example, I put him in my team and um, he got a place at 90 to 1, then that's a profit for the week. So, you know, you're not going to argue with that. But uh, um, I suppose what I'm looking for here, and maybe one of my picks does go against this, but. Um, from a winner point of view, course experience has seen sort of fairly key here, here this week. You know, most of the winners, if you look back going over recent years, have um, had a few starts. Certainly, obviously, um, you know, Hat had played here three times before, and um, obviously, like Jason Day and Molinari and what have you were, were sort of regulars here before they got their got their win. So, um, and Leach would have been here many years on the spin. So, just the one start slightly probably off from a winning point of view, but. He's um he, he pops up. He's one of those players you, you don't really get a feel for what type of course suits him best. He seems to sort of pop up everywhere, which is a sign of a good player, obviously. So um yeah, I can certainly see him having a you know, you know, another solid week and it doesn't take much to be sort of seventh instead of twenty fifth. So um yeah, not not gonna argue with you, Tom. Yeah, so I've got I'm going to go give you a quick sort of like three uh, from this sort of uh, price range now or up to 150s and just give some very quick thoughts on it before I come to you guys with some longer shots. Um, Emiliano Grillo is someone that I find very hard to bet on, uh, especially when he's sort of 15 and 16 to 1 favourites. But when he's 110 to 1 on the golf course that suits him down to the ground, he's proven that in 2017 when he could have won uh, third round 78, which is the story of his life so far. Um, but he was third in Houston. He's been 11th at the players, even with a final round 75. Uh, he's played well at Memorial on Quail Hollow, plays well in the Open, uh, Puerto Rico, Dubai Desert Classic, all with wins. So that was something I thought was very interesting. Luke List plays brilliantly at the Houston Open and here. Uh, he's got a you know great uh, batch of form at both of those, which is uh, interesting enough. And obviously Keith Mitchell, we've mentioned a couple of times now, two top sixes here. One at the Honda Classic. Um, it's hard because he's obviously missed three cuts, but you kind of got to avoid that and think that he's come back on his favourite surface. He might just be a, a. I was pleasantly surprised at 150 to one. So they're three guys that I'm considering. I think that the Mitchell kind of stands out of the three just on the price purposes. Um, but yeah, that, those are the ones I wanted to give a sort of a shout out to. And uh, Jason, I'll come over to you for some uh, long shots around here. Um, yeah, I mean I'm. I'm struggling in the three-figure thing i did look at, at brendan todd at yeah. three figures but he's only got that 18th last year um but his putting he's been outstanding for quite a while now obviously he knows how to win um i'm personally not sure he's good enough so i, I have left him out but just before that range um i think it's fairly obvious taylor gooch yeah um i thought was was very fair he's around 80 isn't he something like that he is yeah. uh, eight year one top eight so you you can have griffin i'll have gooch um, top 10 strokes game pattern here last year, which is obviously lovely. Improving 26th and 13th. Um, and that 13th obviously includes an 80 in the second round. Um, and he was 72, 71 here last year over the weekend, which given the conditions is an outstanding effort. 
Um, he's got the third at Torrey Pines, which again, like I say, leads into Dan Leishman, his top grade anyway. Um, shame he didn't play last week because he's got that second in the price car, which <laughs> fed into Puerto Rico. But anyway, obviously fourth at Houston, top 20 at Sony, top 20 at um, Honda. Obviously likes it here. So so he was one that I was interested in, if you like, as, as Martin calls them, sort of the each way top eight angle. Um, it's a nice lead in to be 12th at Riviera as well last time um but he, again he was top 20 in putting so yeah if he's got his if he's got his boots on he gets a fair draw because this this might count um as we go into the weekend really um you want to get a good position um before the wind kicks up so yeah i thought taylor gooch at 80 was fair cameron davis is part of a fantastic australian um um god what's five time uh, <laughs> A fantastic Australian fivefold here. Um, <laughs> you've got Jason Day, Mark Leishman, uh, Cameron Davis, uh, Matt Jones. Thank you. Do you know when your brain goes? You know when you're live and your brain just goes? Um, so, yeah, that, that's a fabulous that top Australian market. I think I absolutely love that. Australians obviously all love the wind. When you won the Aussie Open in 2017, you beat Matt Jones, Cam Smith and Jason Day. Um, I really wanted Cam Smith here this week, and the buggers decided not to play. Um, he's got that Bring top. Getting a haircut. Sorry. Might be getting a haircut. <laughs> yeah. That no, will sorry. take a week, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he's got that top 15 at uh, Pebble Beach. Um, he's got a third in Florida on the, you know, the grade below on the Corn Ferry. He's got eighth in Honda. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, he's very hard to read, but he's got every time there's wind, he's going to be there. Um, strokes gained putting he's, t- uh, he's got two top 10s in his last four strokes gained approach he's got three top 11s in three of his last four my worry is it's his debut here but then had he got eighth last year he wouldn't be the price he is so am I prepared to take a chance he'd probably be bigger on Betfair and, and that's where I look but yeah Davis and Gooch I thought of, of that range were very very fair similar to you with Lanto Griffin um, I think they've all got very good claims um, Martin's hero from last week, Brandon Grace. Um, again, I suppose, you know, had he been third last week, you may have wanted to be on this week. Um, so they're really, they're really, for me, the, the, the sort of players from that range. And I don't really have anything that's, that's you know, way back in the treble figures. The one concern with Grace is that he's, there's a good chance he's going to pull out. I think yes, he sort of yeah, said yeah. Uh, that he, he might not be here. If he, if he isn't and he does turn up and commit, then I think he's a he's a great price. Two people that Martin's going to come on to now are two that I gave a serious look at because of one of them because of his uh, Honda Classic form and the other one because I thought Jason was going to talk about him. So I spent some time uh, looking him up and, and ended up talking myself into him. So Martin, I'll let you give the, the two people and I can give a bit of case afterwards as well. Okay, um, just coming back to my, my Taylor Gooch story, though, you might might be interested in, because I did look at him this week, and um, he was just a fraction too short for me, but um, obviously I can see why a lot of people would like him this week, but um, I was actually, I don't know if you know, I was actually at um, Bay Hill last year, and yeah. probably, would, probably would be this, well, well, most likely would be this year if it wasn't for the, obviously the situation we find ourselves in, and um, I um, secured the profit for the week, coming back to um, in the first round leader market at something like 80 to 1 from memory and um, he gave me a really good run uh, and um, in the end he was um, like fourth or fifth after day one and secured a, a, a payout but uh, he suddenly started holding everything I remember um, on, the, on the 
back nine. <laughs> but I thought at one point I could be in for the landing, landing the big fish, as it were. But I think memory just stalled a little bit. But uh, so I've got fond memories of Gooch at, at Bay Hill. Um, the guys I'm guessing you're referring to are well, you're referring to are Wyndham Clark and yeah. Pat Rogers. That's um, it. So yeah, Wyndham Clark. Um, I'm a, bit, I'm a fan of Wyndham Clarks, and um, looking at uh, again at Oz Checker, it seems as you are, you are this week. But um, uh, he, he's he's obviously got three attributes again that stick out for me for, for this course. And um, one is he hits it a country mile. He's that sort of aggressive player. He's par five scoring. Uh, he, he's fantastic um, on a long term basis and. Um, on a long-term basis as well. He's also a great putter, although he's, he's not been so great of, of late. But um, last time out of Riviera, he putted a lot better. He was second for the week, I think, um, in, in putting. Uh, his approach play, which tends to be his, his weak link, sharpened up a bit. And um, both of these players, I actually backed to this event last year. Uh, I was convinced the course would suit Clark, uh, even though it was his debut. And I guess this is where I'm sort of going slightly against the grain. The one pick I'm going against the grain with my sort of you know, you need a bit of course experience here. Um, obviously it was his debut last year and it's only his second spin this year. But um, he, he, he was solid enough first couple of rounds last year and then he's got completely blown away at the weekend with a couple of 80s or something. But obviously he arrives here again in great form. Um, obviously you, you mentioned the Honda there. He, he's a bit like Burns in that he's edging closer and closer to the win. Obviously came very close at Bermuda. Um, was, you know, in great shape at... Um, uh, so Riviera, uh, he did have that bit of back, a back niggle at Riviera, but um, obviously he didn't seem to pose many problems on the Sunday, and you know he's had a couple of weeks now, so I'm sure that's something and nothing. So, um, but uh, yeah, I like him a lot, and uh, I think he's just you know again he's sort of out of that um, obviously not the same quality, but he's out of that sort of Rory Tiger Jason Day uh, sort of aggressive mould that um, should go well here. Uh, Pat Rogers, what what can we say about Pat Rogers? Um, He's, I mean, he's obviously such a talent. Uh, he's going to win eventually. Uh, he can blow hot and cold. Um, obviously, he welcomed his first son over the Christmas period, which, of course, is a life-changing thing that may have, I mean, pure speculation, but may, may be why perhaps his results went off the boil for a little bit starting the new year. But, um, again, he played great at Riviera. Um, uh, again, he's a great putter. Um, I think the thing, I mean, if you look at all of the last winners here, They've all, you know, very much got the job done with their putter. They've all ranked in the sort of top 10 for the strokes game putting. So so that, to tie in with some of the other guys I just mentioned, is what put me off the likes of Grillo and Luke List and what have you, because they'll go well. Even Carl Stanley, I was looking at for the same reasons. Good ball strike, they'll go well, but just I don't think we'll hold the putts to win. Whereas Pat Rogers, on a, on a go week, could hold the putts to win. Um, wouldn't be afraid to win. Um, and it's going to happen eventually. And uh, when it does, are we there at 100, 100 to 1 plus? Because they'll probably come in with sort of slightly shaky form when he does it. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just about finding that right week. And uh, obviously, there have been some good signs the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he was closed nicely in Puerto Rico yesterday as well, which is dirty home. Yeah, I think I think for me, the, the first thing was like you, I thought that this was tailor made for Wyndham Clark, this golf course. I thought it was absolutely perfect for him. Uh, was disappointed when he missed the cut last year, and uh, well, he didn't miss the cut when he fell, you know, fell back quite a lot over the weekend. But I think what, one of the things that I've kind of had to tell myself, and especially Morikawa last week, is 
you can't let one thing just really put you off if you really think it's going to suit them. Uh, Jason, we've we've spoken about this a lot of air. Oh. Like, you know, we, we we sort of talk ourselves out of things quite quickly. When you actually look at what he's broken down, he's had that seventh and eleventh at the Honda Classic, which are two massive results. He's played well at Pebble Beach, which is obviously a bit of wind. Puerto Rico, Bermuda, he comes second, his best result. Um, you know, everything like that. Bahamas on a corn ferry. He likes this sort of test, and and it should go well. Uh, he gave a really good interview on the Subpar podcast, which I don't like to sort of give up other podcasts, but, you know, we'll, we'll let that one slide very quickly. Um, you know, he, he, generally speaking, is a is a very talented player. You'd expect him to go well. And, and we don't want to sort of write people off too quickly when they don't win for a while, which segues us on nicely to Patrick Rogers because everybody's been waiting for him to win. Mm-hmm. Um he was an absolute winning machine in in university college. You know, he was Stanford's one of the best golfers since Tiger Woods. Um, but there's just been no signs, Martin, since he had that. Since he's had his child, you know, he's had those, the run of four missed cuts with maybe a bit of an adjustment period. He's on 12th and 30th the last time out, last two times out. I just find him a, a really. He's one of those people I, I I didn't realize quite how long I've been following him for on Instagram. Every week he'd put up a, a swing video and he, and. Any professional golfer is going to look good swinging on Instagram, otherwise they won't put the video up. So I always used to get caught out by, God, his swing's amazing. Then I started seeing him hang out with Love Island stars, and I thought it was all a bit strange. Um, couldn't quite get to grips with him. But he's just had all these really amazing finishes on the PGA Tour without quite getting it done. But you'd suspect that if he does, it's going to be at one of these classical golf courses. He's second at, at the Wells Fargo, which is obviously the uh, Quail Hollow there. Uh, fourth at Torrey Pines. Uh, he's had a couple of other good finishes there at Torrey Pines. Riviera, like we just spoke about, he played well at. Um, you know, and here, he, where, that's just where he plays well. I think he's one of those people that he's a bit of a traditionalist. He buys into that sort of uh, thing of it kind of means a lot. So we'll see. He's he's, a, he's an absolute ball striker on his day. I think you know he's a, certainly someone you sort of want to look at for a first round leader bet because if he gets the right side of the draw, he's going to sort of pound greens and it's just a case of making putts. It's just whether how long do you keep hoping he's going to do it? That's the that's the concern, isn't it? Um, yeah, he's got the um, he's got the course form here as well, obviously, which I forgot to yeah. mention. He's got the seventh here and he and he played well. Um, in the uh, in the wind here last year, he was, he was top twenty five, I think, or just inside the top twenty five. Um, there's another factor actually, which um, I think I mentioned in my preview that um, the all of the winners here, going back to Martin Laird, I think was the last one who hadn't done, um, had finished in the top thirty odd in the previous year at this event. Um, I don't know if you've picked up on that stat, guys, but um, yeah, it's it's um, it's probably, you know, might just be coincidence, might be nothing, but um, yeah, if you look back at the history of the recent winners, they'd all had a good finish here, you know, good solid finish here the year, the year before. Um, what I'd also add about Pat Rogers as well, completely irrelevant to his golf this week, but obviously you, you mentioned about uh, his, his connections and what have you, is that um, as I mentioned, I've been to Bay Hill and when I was Following him, I actually got chatting with his um, his, his his wife and in-laws because they're English. Um, um, I don't know if you know, he's a good good lady. He's English and um, just sort of a, overheard some English accents, had a conversation. Um, his father-in-law's an Arsenal fan, but I won't hold that against him. But they are lovely. <laughs> they are lovely people. Um, really nice people. So um, yeah, I'd love to see him get that win and um, hopefully he can get it soon. 
Well, at least that explains the Love Island connection because I couldn't quite work out why he was hanging around with uh, with Molly off of Love Island, which I thought was a bit strange. So maybe uh, I don't, I don't know have something. no idea who um, Molly is. <laughs> I've never watched Love Island, so um, uh, yeah, I just can't comment about that one. But um, yeah, he's um, they're, they're great people. So. He looks like he could be on Love Island. He's got the kind of Tommy Fleetwood style look, isn't he? So uh, there we are. But we're going completely away from the point now. You mentioned Martin Laird there, and Jason, I was surprised that you didn't look at him a bit more, and, and obviously Martin as well. You obviously have won some fair bit of money on Martin Laird. I know he's not been great since that win at the Shriners, but this is a sort of event. I mean, he's played well here in the past. He's won it in 2011. Um, he's come second at the Players. Every, everything sort of suggests that he'd go well, and he's a massive prize this week. Yeah, I just think he's not doing a thing, is he? So, um, and I know he, I know he's the type of player these days. You're not going to you're not going to really go on long form runs with him. Um, I, I think you're asking a lot for him to. You know, obviously when he won the Shriners, it, you know, a lot of it was courtesy of that unbelievable bunker shot. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's the only reason he won it, but it was a huge contributor. Um, and if you take that out, it's you're not going to look at him, are you? Um, and that's I, I I couldn't look in for that reason. There's there's far too many with with better claims. So I'll, I'll always look at him in the desert. I backed him again at Arizona <laughs> the other week. Um, I mean, the reason I backed him with Shiners was because he's just desert form. He's, he's, yeah. he's superb, and um, he's always going to be on the radar on the desert. But um, yeah, he, he, we, maybe we just found lightning in the bottle that week, and um, he um, yeah that bunker shot. I mean. Head, head in my hands when he found put it into the bunker and was leaping out the chair when uh, when he got it out of that line in, in, in the cup. So um, yeah, uh, I, I guess it's a case it's a case of there's only, there's only so many you can back and there's a few. I mean, again, it's like I wanted the wanted the strong putters and you know a couple of other. I mean, I've not mentioned Ben Arm who lives in Orlando and <laughs> you know he's another who could um, easily well does does suit this course. But you just sort of think is he going to hold enough putts to win? And, um, there's, there's quite a few around that sort of three-figure price that fall in that category. So Carl Stanley was another, but um, yeah, it's not for me this week. No, well, I think that I'm kind of there was one guy a ridiculous price. I don't think he can win. Tyler Duncan. He's he's obviously had that win against Webb Simpson, which always baffles me because how good Webb Simpson is. Um, but he had that fifth place finish at Byron Nelson. Uh, he's 24th at the Honda Classic in 2018 when he was a lesser player than he is now. So if there's anything in those couple of course links that I've sort of highlighted, then I imagine he's probably close to a thousand to one if he's not a thousand to one on on Betfair. Uh, yeah, there he is, nine hundred and eighty to one. So if uh, if you like sort of spare change and, and want to throw it somewhere, then maybe Tyler Duncan would be the one. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's really anything else for me uh, on that. Um, Jason, anything more for you? No, just like I say, it's a shame. Uh, Ryan Palmer, Russell Henley, and uh, Cam Smith. Um, I think I think these guys should take uh, scheduling suggestions from us, shouldn't they? Because we yeah, we quite often have a, a, a chat before and go, "Why is he not here?" Like Russell Henley struck me as a perfect person for this after his Houston form and his uh, his yeah. form at this sort of event, but nah, didn't fancy turning up. So I, I couldn't um, on those lines last week. I was sort of before the field was confirmed uh, and I'd started looking at um, you know what, what we could expect and where it was and what have you. Uh, in fact, maybe even after the field was out, I just didn't even bother looking at the field list because I assumed he would be in it. Uh, I was all set to um, Stephen Paul Casey. 
<laughs> I, I, I just couldn't understand why he wasn't there on the censorship thing, but I just thought, well, he's one up the road, road of the Valspar. Um, he, he loves Augusta. You know, what's not what's not to like him? It would have been a great fit for him. I, I, that was my thinking, mm. but uh, he, he wasn't there, and um, I couldn't back him. Um, the one guy, if you want to know, my last guy who was off the list this week, which I'll have my head in my hands about, and... Um, you can say next week on the pod, uh, Martin, uh, Martin mentioned him, um, uh, was um, Matt Wallace. Uh, and um, yeah. this is down to obviously, of course, one thing we haven't mentioned is this tournament from a winner's point of view has been dominated by the non-Americans over recent years. Um, only every outside of Tigers won since Kenny Perry in 2005, which is quite amazing. Um, and Wallace... Um, all these stats, you know, he's a good putter, his approach plays decent, uh, he's played well here before. Um, it was just that, you know, the miscut in Puerto Rico, and, you know, he's not really sort of done much of a late, and I just thought, well, again, you can't back him all. So he's he, he's the one I'll be eyeing behind the sofa for if he's um, heading to the frame on Sunday. It's ironic you mention him because I, I sort of said it would have suited him last week having that sort of, sort of tougher test, and... And he was in the Puerto Rico Open and, like you say, missed the cut, which I thought was really disappointing. Missed the cut Saudi, was poor in Dubai, um, wasn't great in Dubai before Christmas. And then he had that sort of run where you know, 46 in the Masters, 37 for the RSM. He hasn't quite translated his game over to the PGA. I know he's obviously got that tied sick finish here and, and the course should suit. And like you say, it's one of those ones that if, if it happens, it, you, you can kind of find reasons for it afterwards. He's got a full foot of memorial, so he likes the classical test. Like you say, you just can't have them all, and uh, I can just see Matt Wallace getting the ump and uh, and tearing up one of the greens here at uh, Bay Hill. So, on the yeah. on the subject of international, sorry, Martin, I'll come back to what you're going to say. Yeah, what were you, what were you going to say? Yeah, so I was going to say it was, it was the price really. I mean, Boyles were going ten places. We've got Wallace at eighty to one. Uh, maybe I was being greedy or unrealistic, but I thought there might have been sort of you know two hundreds or something. Um, and that's when I'd have been. I mean, not ten places, but for eight places, that's where I'd have been interested. But um, not the sort of general one, two, five, so maybe. But um, sorry, Tom, I let you get back to what you were. No, yeah, well, I was going to say, sort of following on from your point before we go, and Jason, I'll, I'll come to you first on it. The, the the subject of those international winners over the last five years. Do you think that's more of a, a coincidence thing that? Because we see a lot of there's a lot of criticism about some of the top stars skipping this every year, don't they? They seem to seem to miss it. And everyone sort of says that you shouldn't really be doing that at Arnold Palmer's tournament, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think it's a lot of the, the best players being missing and the, some of the best players in the field are the European guys and the Australian guys? Or do you think it is just a course because of the wind, et cetera, that suits those kind of players? Um, I just thought, as uh, I said to, a, to on Twitter um, last week, um, if it looks like an open, it smells like an open, it tastes like an open, then it's an open. Um <laughs> And there we are. I think that's what it is. I, 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 you know, it's amazing, but you find the leaderboards absolutely reek of Open Championships, don't they? Um, mm. And there we are. That, that's exactly what it is. Where, you know, I think Martin's made the point. I think the the wind is set to blow over the weekend, I believe, up to 25 mile an hour. Yeah, um, I believe so. Yeah. And and it's by the coast, and and it's it's here we are. You know, this is where you know the the certainly the Australians love it, as we know. Um, you know, open players love it. That's that's why they love the open, and uh, that, that's it, isn't it? I mean, what else? What else can you say, really? It's it's vital that you find the greens. If you don't, you've got to be a terrific scrambler. 
um, and and you make your score on the putting. So there we are. It, you know, look at the last five years, look down the list, and and it tells you everything you need to know. So that that's that's why for me. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's atypical of of a, a proper um, home event, home open, if you like, conditions that we'd find in. Yeah, early in the season or, or back in September when it starts getting a bit rougher. Um, and the Americans, that you know, they don't find it that much, do they? You know, I, it's, I, um, think there's a, I think there's a bit of um, the fact that uh, obviously historically Europeans, when they go over to America, um, they sort of base themselves in Florida, so to be their starting point. So even if they don't live there full time, um, you know, haven't lived there full time, you know, maybe they've got a place in Florida or, or, or what have you, and that may well be sort of the case with some of the, um, uh, you know, the Aussies and stuff as well when they're, they're first going over there. So, uh, but I think you're right. I mean, just before you get all your um, American listeners ringing in trying to give you a, a an American geography lesson it's not quite coastal because it's Orlando but it is very much um uh, uh sort of exposed with you got sort of the big lake there and what have you and so the wind, wind will come in but it's obviously it's quite quite inland from the point of view yeah of, okay uh, yeah yeah, yeah okay. so um, so I just like you might get your American listeners all coming and say hey you can't say Orlando by the coast no, so, no, no, that, that'd involve them getting this far into the podcast I think but, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. maybe it's just a familiarity with um with, with Florida, possibly, and obviously, as you say, they spend more time on the Bermuda Greens, you know, being over there in Florida than they would do on the power or, or what have you. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. But I, I don't think it, can be, it can't be a coincidence. And um, um, that was the one thing that slightly concerned me. I mean, um, you know, four Americans out of six in the team or, or what have you. But um, so you pay, you pay your money and take your chance, as you say, Jason. That, that was the thing for me. I, was, I, I think that it has to be respected because of the amount of times it's happened. It's not happened three times in a row. It's happened five times in a row. So it can't be ignored. Um, and even before that, you had Martin Dead and you had VJ Singh. I just think that every time one of those is won, an American's come second. So it's kind of like, well, apart from last year and the year before, so I ignore that. But it, generally speaking, I, I just think people will fall in a trap of like, let's avoid Americans because internationals generally win this tournament. I think it's just you just got to like your players and stick with them. And if, no matter what nationality they are, they still hit the ball the same way they do every week. So there's probably a little bit in it about the fact that Europeans are comfortable in Florida. There's a bit of a wind for the Aussies, etc., etc. Closest conditions to their home events. That would be it for me. I just wondered whether there was a bit, a bit about it. That the signs of the top, top guys. Yet this Spieth's making his debut here. He hadn't played here for all the years that he was off the top of his game. Justin Thomas doesn't play here. You know, those guys were turning up every every year. Would we be getting different results? That would be uh, the one yeah. concern for mm, me. Um, so I'm going to go into my picks so that you guys can uh, collect your thoughts. So for me, it was Francesco Molinari. Uh, stood out because... Uh, I just couldn't quite, uh, even though he looked slightly short based on uh, recent years, I thought he was, he was still a big enough price. I like Lanto Griffin at 90 to 1. Um, I am undecided about Emiliano Grillo, Luke List, and Keith Mitchell, that sort of trio there that I sort of mentioned about. Wyndham Clark and Rogers as well. Poulter, if he can find his putter, he keeps telling us that he's playing the best golf he's played. The stats don't back it up, but. You know, if he says that, he might be talking himself into it. Um, but yeah, for ma- mainly for me, it was Francesco Molinari. I thought stuck out. Uh, Jason, over to you for your picks. Um, take one from the top. It's going to be Till Hatton. 
um, over Sanjay Im. Um, like we say, if conditions get worse, he's, he's your man. Uh, I like Max Homer, 55 now. Um, and I'm undist- uh, probably Taylor Gooch as well, who uh, hit the um, joint best weekend scores last year when the weather was getting really crap after that 80-second round, which is standout for me, and he looks to be improving. Um, take a possible chance on Cam Davis. Uh, again, I'm, I'm relying on wind, but that may be just a top 10 or top 20. And I'll be interested in Brandon Grace. If he does turn up, it'd be, be fascinating to see what happens. But yeah, I, I don't find it that easy, but I think that's a fair team to go to war with, so that'll do me for the moment. Absolutely. And Marcy, if you can summarise your picks for us this week. Um, yeah, six for me. Um, Francesco Molinari, just thought the price was too big, although, as I say, that's starting to come in now. Um, Sam Burns, um, Ricky Fowler. Uh, do you want the odds as well? or um, just? Uh, yeah, no, you give us the odds, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, Molinari I'll put up at 30 to 1 initially. Uh, Sam Burns at 40s initially. Uh, Ricky Fowler, 70s. Uh, Wyndham Clark at 110s. Uh, Pat Rogers at 125. So I went from the 10 places there that's available with, with Ball Sports. Uh, and the saver on Rory, which um, I believe the nines is, is, is now gone. Um, but uh, yeah, just a couple of points with only saver on Rory. Yep, absolutely. I think it's going to be a really good event. Uh, Martin, thank you very much for joining us. Jason, as ever, it was a pleasure. Yeah, just um, uh, just a quick one. On. Just make sure you keep your eye on that players market that's out already. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to be taking a look at that in a minute. Thanks, um, Jason. Actually picked up on that. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on again, guys. Um, please do follow me on Twitter if you're not already at Sundog Monkey, and obviously um, you can find the links to my previews there as well, Sundog's Golf World. But um, yeah, thank you very much, guys, for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Always a pleasure to have somebody that talks sense. What do I do then? <laughs> Don't answer that. Right, off we go until next week. Thanks, gents.